Hear now the words of the witches, the secrets we hid in the night, when dark was our destiny's pathway, that now we bring forth into light. Hello, my fellow travelers, my fellow wanderers, my fellow explorers. Yes, it is I, Saturn, the abysmal witch, coming to you quasi-live over the internet after a ridiculous number of months and untold number of takes uh, of episode 37 of the regular Pennies in the Well to bring you this abysmal witch episode. It really has been a remarkable set of months. I've changed pretty near everything possible to in my life, aside from the number of children, fuzzy or otherwise, that I have in my life. That has remained constant so far, knocking on wood because one of my cats is quite old and it would be, it will be very sad when she goes. It has been quite the trip and I'm not going to talk about it tonight. Uh, I feel like I should mention, I, I'm really not kidding about the number of takes that I've tried to do for episode I'm pretty damn certain it's 37 for the regular show because every time I try and record it, something goes wrong. Uh, you name it, I've covered it. The computer has died. The software has died. The episode has been fully made and then crashed and lost. Uh, I've been interrupted. I've been, I've been podcast blocked by a number of things. Uh, and then I finally recorded it and didn't like it which is where we last left it. So fuck it. You're getting me stripped down to philosophizing size for tonight, for there are a couple things that I just really want to talk about. I, I want to ramble. I want to muse. I want to think. I want to contemplate. I want to throw some ideas out there. And for you, my, my fellow explorers, my fellow wanderers, my fellow travelers, because some of it may resonate with you and if it does then huzzah chinks to you with my plastic water bottle yes tonight is brought to you by h2o i i want to talk about i saturn i saturn the abysmal witch wish to talk about a recent experience of mine i was having a house tingling party because well house warmings are so last year, no, <laughs> because if you're, well, warming a house, why not make a house tingle? I invited a number of people that I haven't seen in years or that I see very rarely or some that I've only just met. And I had a wonderful night. At the start of this wonderful night, there was a gentleman who was here and it was just the two of us for a bit. And we got pretty deep and philosophical. And he told me, he told me his story, part of his story, part. And when I say story, I mean with a capital S. I don't mean fairy tale, unless fairy tale had a capital F. Uh, I mean part of his journey. He told me part of his mystical, magical, spiritual journey. And the experience of him telling me that on one hand was, was glorious and I am so honored that he shared it with me. And on the other hand, I am so saddened by what bracketed it. And I'm betting you're wondering why, because the whole point of this story is of course, as to why I was so sad, which had nothing to do with him and his story, but what he said right afterwards, because the story was one of those magical experiences that we all want. <clears throat> One of those, sorry, I, I've been getting over a cold, so bear with me. Uh, if I go into a coughing fit, huh, there we are. So it was, in, in a sense, a grandiose experience that he'd had. It was intense. It was life-altering, uh, kind of literally, actually. Um, not near death, but certainly near the edge uh, experience. And I mean the edge kind of of ourselves when we have those experiences that put us right, push us right to the limits of who and what we are. And he'd had this. And while he was in this experience, he was there with his God, with his deity. And he finishes telling me this, this part of his journey. He finishes honoring me with 
the sharing of something that was so utterly profound. And he turns to me and he says, it's okay. I know it's not real. I'm not crazy. It's okay. And that, that is when I could have cried. Because the man in front of me has such honor and such certain belief, standing, comfort with his gods. Never, I think ever, would he deny his gods' existence. He would never deny the power of his gods. He would honor them before all but his family, because if you dishonor your family, you dishonor your gods. Which strangely relates to the other point I want to talk about, but that's neither here nor there for this moment. He would never do that. And yet, in that moment, that is what he did. And I'm sure he had no realization of it, for what he did was live out a moment that probably almost all of us magical folk have lived out at one point or another, internally or externally, where we have taken what is so uh, transcendent in our mystical experience and reminded ourselves, if not those around us, that it's okay. We know it's not real. We're not crazy. Now, I'm all for asking the question of whether or not I'm crazy. In fact, I firmly believe that we all had damn well better keep on asking ourselves the question, am I crazy? These are good things to ask. We always want, when we travel on the edge of what is explored territory, and a lot of our mysticism is right on that edge, we want to be careful that we stay on the sane line of it. And by sane, I kind of mean able to function, to operate, to work within the bounds of necessity of culture. Because as soon as we topple over and we lose ourselves, well, maybe that's it right there. That is my definition of sanity. And strangely, this will also sort of come up later, is that... Well, it's two-part. We need to remain congruent to ourself and our essence. And maybe those of us who go really mystical, we do lose our sanity according to the real world. Maybe that is what's happened to me. And I am so perfectly, perfectly okay with that. Because I continue to ask myself the question, am I crazy? And there's a certain level of craziness I'm very willing to accept. I'm very willing to accept the craziness of believing that my gods are real and that mystical experiences are real, whether or not our body is, yeah, okay, if he meant his body didn't go physically somewhere else, okay, sure, I agree. Then his experience was not real because his body physically, as is apparent in this world, did not move. There is more to our bodies, more to us than is physically apparent in this world. And that part of him, I do think, traveled. And I think that, that traveling part of him connected and had an experience so real that when he returned to his physical form, his physical form was altered. And it was. That was part of his story. Can you imagine? He had a life-changing, physical-altering experience and still had to deny its reality because he didn't want to lose that connection with someone else. He didn't want to be seen by me as crazy. Don't worry. I reassured him he, he wasn't, at least. <laughs> Not in my home. In my home, such things, those are real. And insanity is what you make of it. And as long as you keep working towards, I don't know, the betterment of mankind then we're going to do okay. As long as you keep asking yourself the question of, are you crazy? You're doing okay. What isn't okay is denying the reality of our experiences. And I've done it. I've done it loud. I've done it often. I have qualified. I have, well, I guess qualified really is the best word. To take a situation and diminish it by saying, it, well, it, it wasn't that kind of real. To make myself a little less crazy seeming by wanting to maintain my connection with normalcy, with being 
not locked up in a loony bin. <laughs> it's an important thing. It's a fine line. Don't forget to walk it. I don't want to be locked up in a loony bin. I do no good locked up in a loony bin. But our world has become so constrained. We have shrunk down to this thin slice of what we consider real. There's whole landscapes that we are failing to take in and acknowledge. And if you take in and acknowledge those landscapes, then the world thinks you're crazy. Well, then the world had best think that I am crazy. For I know that this is real. And I know that there are other people out there like me, like this friend, who've had those moments, who've had those experiences, who know that it's real. And to you, let me say you're not alone. And perhaps the more that we say it, the more that we dare it, we can be a little more brave with each other and be there for each other. I feel like there should be a network of us, of, of people who always question our sanity, who always ask that question, but who are still very willing and knowing in our belief that there is more than just this thin slice of reality. There is a difference between fantastical storytelling and true experience. And when it is simply within someone's perception as to whether, well, everyone's perception is that it is their reality, right? There's a quality. There's a quality to someone for whom it's happened for real. Maybe that's where we've lost out. Maybe we've lost the shamans and, well, we still have shamans, but maybe that's something that we have lost. Are the people in our community that we could go to and go, this just happened to me. Did I take too many drugs or was that real? Of course, sometimes there is no difference between those two statements. Dude, you really did take too much drugs. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think it was real. The thing is, just for those who want to go seeking the experience as well on drugs, uh, if you're not using the drug and the drug is using you, experience isn't the same. It may be a real experience, but it's only a shadow of what it would have been otherwise. This public service announcement is brought to you by the Abysmal Witch. We have become so indoctrinated to what should be considered real that we deny our experiences even to ourselves let alone to those in our circle. We protect ourselves as we should. We damn well should be protecting ourselves. The world is not always a kind and gentle place. You can't always hug somebody and have everything work out for the best. There are people that can be out to get you. <laughs> Just because you're paranoid does not mean they're not out to get you. Don't have to be paranoid, but you can be cautious. You can be aware of how the people in front of you are going to take it. Maybe we need a sign, you know, a little badge. You can sew it on your jacket and says that we're part of this crazy order that we understand that if you tell me that you met Breed or Isis, that you sat down for tea one day in a coffee shop and this strange old lady wandered up, plunked herself down beside you, read your tea leaves and told you shit that blew your mind. And when she walked out the window, well, sorry, out the door, and you looked through the window, and just for a second, you saw an old witch in a mortar and pestle, and then the flash of sunlight off the glass is gone, and so is she. You always wonder, was that Baba Yaga sitting at that tea table with you? telling you your fortune. There are moments that happen in life. And strangely, that story I just told, not one of mine. Uh, it makes me very curious because it really just tumbled off the tongue if that belongs to one of you. And if so, let me tell you now that it was real. That sometimes the world's thin and the other realities get to whisper a little closer. And it may have been some casual old woman walking down the street who used to read tea leaves because that's what her mom did and what her mother's mother did and something that had just always been passed down. And she had some urge to walk into a coffee shop and sit down beside this person who had a look in their eye that just said, 
that they needed something. And this woman sat down and followed her, her impulse and read some tea leaves for a stranger and let the words flow like songs and stories flowing from the universe through her body and out with barely the sound of her own voice wrapped around them as a gift to the person on the other side of that table. We're all instruments of the divine, of the universe, of our own deities, others' deities. Sometimes we act and when we allow that to happen, we become that magical experience for that other person. Anyway, as I was saying, perhaps we should have badges so that we would know that we are in the presence of someone else who would understand. And if you are ever in my presence, let me tell you now that I understand. I will look at you and I will ask the question either out loud or in my head of, are they mad? Or perhaps more accurately, are they the good kind of mad or the bad kind of mad? The good kind of mad is opening up to the universe, to the multi-layers of existence that abound, that are becoming their truer, more glorious self with every passing day. And those who are bad mad, chemicals are off in their brain, they're doing too many drugs, they're seeing shit that may or may not be real, but it's fucking up their world. If your world is, f well, if you're the epicenter of the world blown up around you, you need to evaluate. You need to be asking that question pretty strong. Um, and yeah, those of us who have been around the insanity block a few times, we can often tell just by asking the question, by hearing the story, and by whether or not you are asking the question. That should be the secret handshake. You feeling mad today? Well, I did a check-in earlier. I seem to be fine. <laughs> or, as Sheldon from Big Bang Theory would say, my mother had me tested. <laughs> so yeah, we hide. We hide our experiences, our truth, even to ourselves, rather than being seen as mad, rather than being seen as crazy and no longer a functional person. That we are somehow to be ridiculed or despised if we dare to believe that the metaphysical world is real. Only crazy people believe that shit is real. Only crazy believe people believe astrology is real. Only crazy people would believe that the gods are actually real and not some psychological construct that we conveniently use to label our situations. <coughs> Dare to be mad with me. Dare to believe. They're real. Dare. 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 Because there's nothing, nothing so tragic as to have that real experience and then to deny it. To deny it at that most deep and innermost level because we're afraid of being mad. So naturally, when he was done saying this, I got up and I kissed him, no, blessed him, I like to think, on the forehead with a kiss and told him that it was real and that he's not insane and that in this place, we know it for truth. So that was the first thing that I wanted to tell you. And then the second, there might be three or the third one might come out in the second. We have yet to see. I, Saturn. I'm going to come out of the closet. Now, clearly not the pagan closet, because <laughs> I've been out of that one for a while. Not even out of the gay lesbian closet, though intriguingly I've recently come to the conclusion that I might actually be bisexual. Perhaps all of us are, but um, never say never. Uh, that's what I have to say about girls, apparently. Uh, I would have said never because I've tried it and gone, eh, and tried it and gone, eh, and tried it and gone, no, seriously, no. And then recently, there was a circumstance that caused me to try it where I wasn't planning to and went, oh. In large part because I went, my, my goddess, my, my goddess is a girl. 
and um yeah i wouldn't mind in a sense getting it on with my goddess because she's fucking hot and she's got mad skills and why on earth wouldn't i want to get connected with my goddess the way that i would with my god now for those of you who think that sex in any conceptual way with your deity is it all wrong you want to skip the rest of the episode because this probably isn't going to work for you this whole conversational road is going to potentially horrify you so stop stop now <laughs> hit the delete button hit the stop button skip on to another episode i don't care but this is not going to work for you if that twigs you because that's where most of this road is going so as i said i was trying to come out of a closet we have yet to find which closet i am coming out of the closet I am coming out of, my dear fellow travelers, is the kink closet. Yes, that's right. Kink. Kinky. BDSM. Bonded. Discipline. Dominant submission. Sadomasochism. Breakdown. For those of you who are wondering what the heck I'm talking about. Um, and yes, so I'm kinky. I, I love pretty much the whole spectrum of it. I found the submissive masochistic side of things. And which... Some people find very interesting because I'm very dominant in many aspects of my world, but I'm submissive when it comes to uh, truly getting into sex uh, and relationships. Um, and in this, this side of the world, oh, now this is really coming out. How much do I trust you? How much am I willing to be my true self before you? Yeah, it's a tricky question, isn't it? And yet in asking the question, I feel burdened in a sense with the answer for I will always hide my legal identity just for practicality's sake. Well, never say never. Um, but that's why I do it. I, <laughs> I, I would rather that my ability to make a living and support myself not be affected by what my spirituality or my sexual orientation is and as sad as it may be there are still people who are affected by that and damn it it shouldn't matter in the money-making world as to what it is the rest of my life is and when that ceases to matter well, then I will feel no need to keep my names separate in the meantime I keep separate names and I keep multiple names um, due to some childhood crap, I have always found it very easy to, uh, dissociate myself into multiple pieces, shall we say. And so I've always easily traveled from, well, not easily, but moved from name to name as I have shifted and altered than the name, the label itself has altered and different aspects of myself are better connected with by using different names. You could, in a say, sense, uh, refer to this in the way that we use different deity names to access different vibrational resonance experiences, if one was to say that deities are simply that. They're not simply that, but there is an aspect of them that um, to use a deity's name is to access a certain vibration of experience that is congruent with that deity. And so by taking on certain names, there is a resonance, a, a vibration that we plug into, which is why most craft names, I think, are understandable, not just sound. Not just a name, but something with meaning. Because we are looking and seeking for an elevation of vibration and connection. Again, neither here nor there, in a sense, aside from coming out of the kinky closet, also means uh, sharing with you another aspect of me. And that aspect, well, hi, my name is Sativa, and it is my pleasure to get down and dirty with you. Yeah, it's kind of my naughty side, a little bit, in a certain way, kind of, kind of, sort of. Um, very much the getting the hands dirty and getting connected side of things and that side of my life uh, I witnessed an experience that I want to talk about that leads back to connection with deity so this experience so familiar a story is of a couple 
and things are, it's a DS couple, so a dominant with a submissive person. If you're going to have issues with dominance and submission, I once again recommend that you turn this episode off, that you skip to the end, that you bypass it entirely because this is probably not going to work for you. Uh, if it makes you twitchy, flee, flee now. Um, if it doesn't, or if you want to work on it, then keep on listening because that's what I'm talking about is dominance and submission and how that can potentially relate into us serving and working with our deities. Dun, dun, dun. DS is not for everybody. Let me say that up front. Uh, but in this particular relationship, it was a DS relationship, and they were having difficulties. The submissive was trying, is trying so very hard to do her absolute best by her dominant, to make him happy, to, to make it work. And I look at it from outside and I see her working on herself desperately hard and I see him unable to see where he is going wrong, but simply trying to shape her in the situation in order for everything to work out. Yes, I'm leaving out huge gaping holes of information because it's their information uh, to share, not mine. But essentially... There's a problem in their relationship, in their dynamic, and they're both putting it pretty much all on her and the expectation that she will change uh, and that he does not need to. Now, as we all know, when we have a shared dynamic between two people, it takes two people to change it. Or one person willing to change dramatically and then see what happens with the other one. So it is her right to try and change to want to do this for him I'm not saying it isn't but it always worries me when when the two people agree that there's a problem but they look at it and only see the problem is coming from one of them because it's always two of us always a dynamic exists because of two people in order to really change it you need kind of both people going into it this is what, and, and I could give you reasons as to particularly why I see that this person is, it really is, trust me, it really is the two of them, um, that he really is contributing to the situation and he really is not seeing it. He is not taking, uh, near as I can see, any real uh, responsibility for the situation, for what has been happening, for his own reactions. Uh, all, all of his own reactions are being explained away as being caused by um, well, this I don't know. Well, I don't think this would give anything away, so I'm going to dare to share it. Um, he doesn't handle certain types or a certain type of emotion very well. Haha, <laughs> still keeping it vague. Gotta love it. So, he doesn't handle a certain type of expression of emotion very well. And the method, so, so, and this expression, this type of expression of emotion has been coming up more often of late. And so they have agreed that she needs to fix that and she needs to change it. No comment, no question, no exploration of him working to change how he reacts to her natural expression of emotion, simply that she needs to change it. Now, we might say that amongst DS, that that is a perfectly acceptable situation, that the dominant can demand anything of the submissive and this my fellow travelers is where my brain decided to go whoop, scotch over to the side and look at it from a completely different yet same point of view to see if I got to a place that left me going well I suppose that makes sense um, the way that that little story kind of just led to so For me, when I consider deity, when I consider gods and goddesses, when I consider working with them, there are different levels of that relationship. There are different styles of that relationship. But for the deepest ones, for the ones that I have so utterly committed to, uh, the best word that goes with it is service. 
it is divine service. We This is not an unusual topic. It shouldn't be amongst pagans or anyone who follows a spiritual path. The idea of service to community, to the universe, to your gods, to your goddesses, to your fellow practitioners, to whomever, there, there is this notion of service. To go fully into service is a giving over of self, I think. So now I, I'm traveling into philosophical land that I haven't fully explored until just now. So you're taking this this road with me. This is why it's called abysmal musings, because we muse and we ponder and we pontificate, but we don't necessarily know. So travel with me, if you will. I find that service at its deepest expression is a full giving over of the ego in order to do what is necessary and what is right by those by that, by she, by he, by the one that I give my service to. Now, not all the time. I still got to make a living and I got to feed and myself and my pets and, you know, clean. Unfortunately, that never ends. Uh, ever. Ever. God, I hate cleaning. I really do. Not my strong suit. <laughs> anyway. There, there are limits, of course, to this, but still, let's, let's talk in grandiose terms that service is, is a, with our deity, is a form, I think, of submission. I see it as a great giving over of my ego and myself to them that I may be more pure of will, more pure of spirit and of soul that I can be a better tool for them and for the universe. Yes, I can. the universe for me is it's quite an important philosophical aspect. I think I've talked about that before. And I serve. I serve my gods. I serve my goddesses. Yes, in plural. It's a little... Talk about poly relationships. Holy crap, Batman. <sighs> Sideways track. We're going to leave that one right where it is right at the moment. Floating midair. The pink unicorn. We're going to skip the track over to the other side. And I want to mention um, from a book I was reading. I think it's called Slavecraft by... Huh, I think it's by a slave. I think that's what it's. the author's name is listed as. Yes, I've been reading up on it. Because, damn it, one should understand an area that you're interested in. Why not explore? Very interesting reading. Oh my god. BDSM and The Craft and Wicca have some very interesting books out there. Dark Moon Rising. Really, really interesting reading. Uh, and about the ordeal path and using certain aspects. Hmm. Nope, I'm going to stop right there. Just say that Gardner probably would have loved where some of this stuff went. And it is very fascinating reading. And perhaps some other day I'll talk about it. But for right now, uh, the hop, skip, and a jump over to Slavecraft. There's one thing that I remember specifically from that book, and that was when this slave, so a, a submissive identifying as a slave, so fully given over to wanting to serve another person utterly and completely, which is that really so different from how we idealize and idealize a full relationship with our deities that we are fully given over to service isn't there a certain amount of idealization ideation of that anyhow one of the things that he mentioned that has really stuck with me it's probably the only thing that stuck with me out of the book particularly was that in the absence of ownership it is the slave's duty to protect the property. And the slave, of course, being the property. And this notion has really, truly struck with, stuck, struck me and stuck with me. That, that at a base level, even if... How to put this? 
I, I, I serve my gods. And let's just use the word gods for gods and goddesses because it's too long to say it all the time. It's both. Imagine it with two Ds. It's more amusing that way. It kind of covers all bases. So in my service to them, I, I feel strongly that I owe them the best of myself. And that when they are not present, my, my standing orders, shall we say, from them, uh, in the absence of any other order or necessity or item that I would do, like walking into some random coffee shop and reading tea leaves for someone. Not my side of the story either, by the way. Never present for that whatsoever. Just saying that I'm the type now to follow said impulse and potentially read somebody's tea leaves simply because the universe nudged me a particular direction and it felt like the right thing to do. In that giving over of self, in that releasing of the ego to being a tool for my gods, there is still an aspect of protect the property. In the absence of other direction, in the absence of, of necessity that they have given me, it's up to me to look after me. <laughs> so, duh, it's almost like, yes, of course you need to look after you. We all need to look after ourselves and that put your own air mask on in the event of an airplane disaster before you do your child's you, or whoever's that you need to look after yourself first to a point, to a basic survival point, And then you can worry about looking after others. Um, exceptions galore. I know this, we're talking gross generalities, deal with it. So that need to look after myself is interesting to now take that to a different place and go, I need to look after myself, but not for me. It's not for me. It's for them. It's, it's for my greater self. It is for my higher self, if you prefer. It is for the purest aspect of my spirit and soul. It is for so much greater than this little ego that sits here often in this body and directing the show my my gift my requirement in life in order to fully serve the gods that i serve is to protect their property and their property is me that's right they own my ass i've accepted it <laughs> and uh, anyone who's gotten into a deep relationship with a deity and it's done of knows exactly what I'm talking about. They own your ass. Um, one of the aspects of a DS, dominant submissive relationship, it's a power exchange. The dominant has the power, the submissive does not. Well, welcome to life with a deity. They have the power. And in a sense, you do not. You don't have their power. You have different power. You have power of choice. We could get into that. There will probably be multiple conversations about this in the future. But for right now, let's just accept that and move on. And that in this, in this relationship, that I have the requirement from them to look after me, for them. So a bit of a, a twist on the usual, which is you need to look after you. Well, I need to look after you. You need to look after you for those that you serve. Because you protect the property. And part of that protecting the property is, in my opinion, to become the best version of you possible. That's right. The best version of you. The one that is truest to your will. And of course, will has a big ass fucking capital W on it. And to be the best, the most authentic you. So not hidden behind 20 layers of masks to keep some innermost part of you safe from the world. <sighs> Protection has this interesting side note. I was having a conversation with Tyson about this recently, that protection by its very nature cuts off the protected from something else. If you are protected, then there is something that is being kept from you. That is the absolute essence and definition of protection. So there is automatically separation from something. Well, that's not always a bad thing. 
but cautious in this realm of how you view protect the property. Protect the property does not mean cutting it off from everything because maybe protects the wrong word. It's just a handy word. Maybe it's safeguard. Maybe it's um, take care of. You know, if you have to take care of the property, taking care of the property is more than just locking it up and keeping it safe. Taking care of it is if it was a physical object like a leather saddle you'd take it out and you'd oil it and you'd need to use it and it would need to go on a horse and be used and the horse ridden and it needs to have its experience in order to become a well broken in supple piece of leather there <clears throat> any tool needs to get used in order to be the best tool that it can be it needs to get taken care of through use through the care before use the aftercare is so very important when you've been using a tool but you don't just stick it in a corner and lock it up and let it gather dust and do nothing for that does not serve anyone whatsoever so that is not the type of protection that I'm talking about I'm talking about the type of protection, the type of safekeeping, the type of taking care that makes the object in question the best that it can be so that when it is put to use, when it is put to service, it does the best service it possibly could. In order to be the best priestess for my gods, I need to hone my craft. I need to work on me. I need to understand my own psyche. I need to go deep within who I am and to explore my views on things, just like I am here tonight with you, to talk through and to think through what these things mean and what they mean to me right now. And they may change five minutes or five years from now, or they may never change. I don't know. And it quite frankly doesn't matter because it's the journey that matters and the exploration and the well I was going to say constant but we all need a holiday every once in a while or a little relaxation but even in the relaxation and the reflection there is still still growth still experience because it is part of the cycle and we often forget that that downtime is part of the cycle as well where we integrate we forget to integrate we just want to keep exploring all the time bad habit but I digress as we know I do. So, to be the best priestess that I can be, I need to take care of myself so that I'm physically prepared to do the work, so that my mind is honed, so that my skills in the craft are sufficient to the task that will be brought to my hand. I need to constantly, on one way or another, work on who I am so that I may be the better priestess to my goddess with every single day, or at least try to be. And so in that, I am protecting her property. I am, I am taking care of myself for her. And if she had me doing something that was going to be hard, would, well, be difficult on my health and all kinds of whatever's, there are all kinds of whatevers that may appear harmful to the other world that I would do, and I wouldn't care if she asked it of me, so long as, well, two things keep happening, that ultimately I'm taking care of the property, but it's her property, and if she decides to work me to the bone, well, you know, it's her choice, um, <laughs> which is why the other part becomes ever so quintessentially important and that is to continue to ask myself am I the bad kind of mad as long as I'm not the bad kind of mad she can work me to the bone but she also expects me to safe guard the property she expects me to go hey my 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 dearest goddess um this would be my physical limit coming up here, right, right, right there, right there on that not very far horizon. And she may choose to go, yep, 
but we still got to get that fucking done and it's got to happen and ramifications are going to have to be dealt with later. And I go, okay. Or she may go, right. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. You should pull back at this point just enough to make sure that you're okay. We negotiate, we communicate because that's what you're supposed to do. And I would not be taking care of her property if I didn't remind her every once in a while that, alas, I am human and I have limitations. And I would not be in service to her if I did not allow for her to surpass those periodically. And it's how she teaches me that sometimes my perception of where my limits are is not exactly where I think they are. But that's also for a different day. So coming back to what I have been witnessing with this particular couple and you apply it back again to it and go, okay, so yeah, he's the dominant and she's the submissive and he wants X and so she should give him X, but she should also be taking care of the property and God, humans just aren't the same as God's. They're fallible. I I guess for me, I expect that there has to be at least a discussion on whether or not there is fallibility within the dominant in that situation. And if the dominant's not willing to have that discussion, to not even broach the subject, to not even acknowledge that it's part of the situation, then then they're not taking care of the property. Then they're failing. It would be the same for me as seeing someone in the state of the bad mad and them saying that it's all in service to their deity. I, I would question. I would question that strongly because I don't think that, yes, deities have plans. And yes, they have places they want us to go. And yes, they will break us down into little crumbling pieces. But there's a difference between being broken down and going bad mad. And if you're in the bad mad place, I really think that your gods want you out of it. And they want to help you out of it. And if you keep going farther down into it, that isn't a god who is serving you. That is a god who is mistreating you, someone who isn't worthy of your service, that is a demon, that is your own psychological hell. There are so many options, but they're not good. None of them are good because I think, and here's what's going to cap it all for me in the end, maybe. I am the universe's bitch. I see the gods as manifestation of the universe just as we are. That the gods are more open to the great flow, to the great experience, and that we work through them. They work through us. They work, I don't know, the universe is flowing down to us in part through them and part directly to us. Um, but it is ultimately the universe that we all serve. And that our greatest goal in life should be to be the most authentic the most true version, the most divine, soulful versions of ourselves that we can be with our ego stripped bare, maybe on the side, maybe tucked in and bundled up. I don't know, but not in the way, not in control to be as close to divine, to being as close to the pure essence of who we are meant to be. And that is, I guess, where harm for me comes from is anything that would keep us actively from being in that place. Mind you, you have to have challenges to overcome. So it's a very difficult thing to judge. And really only the universe can judge it. And well, yeah, that would definitely be a sidetrack. And I'd had a third topic that I considered for tonight, but given that I've talked for almost 50 minutes already, uh, perhaps we shall leave that for some other time for my voice is shot. My brain 
pretty much equally. And given how sick I've been lately, it's probably time for me to ooze my way into bed and go and earn a very mundane living tomorrow. So those are thoughts that I leave you with. Thoughts of, well, what is service? And thoughts of what is sanity? And just thoughts, musings, contemplations. May the journey take you where you never thought you could go, but someplace that has never brought you more bliss. May you take joy and solace and respite in the journey, for it is not the destination that we seek, but the experience. For in the end, we are all the universe's bitch. <laughs> Blessings of the deep and wild to you all. Blessed be. Ah, bet you thought I was done. Well, of course, being of the non-sound mind that I am, after I was done recording, I realized that there were two things I wanted more to say and that I had also earlier on in this podcast promised you some music and I'm not skipping that music because it's pretty fucking awesome. So the two things I realized, actually I realized afterwards I wanted to add, one is... In regards to uh, our little secret club, I figured all we need is a Cheshire grin. You could do it as a pin, eh? Do a nice, lovely pin, almost moon-esque, just a hint of teeth for that recognition of uh, we're all mad here. And that's okay. And that would be a great pin. And I wish I had one. And that would be our secret club. And when you saw somebody who had that special pin, you'd know that they're mad too. And it's okay to be mad in that particular way. As long as you keep questioning the mad, you're golden. The second thought was on the other topic and that I didn't actually address <laughs> the, uh, the slaves, the servants, the serfs rights, uh, that they have, because when you give over such control, uh, you gain by it and that there are certain requirements upon the one who receives the control and that that's a whole other topic, but, uh, it felt a little miscited or unbalanced to not have mentioned that that is something that also needs to at some point get mentioned in order for that whole wheel and deal to make sense. But that would go too long for this podcast. And so, yeah, that's where we stop. And then the song, I promised you a song and I want to play you one from Marianas Trench called No Place Like Home. I don't remember who the hell recommended Marianas Trench to me uh, as a band, but love them. Absolutely love them. I love people who use poetry in their lyrics and have interesting musicality. So those are my two statements. So I'm going to leave you with that song. I hope you enjoy. I really, I do miss you, you know. I know. Some of you miss me. Some of you are like, fuck, she's back. Ha! Yes. Yes, I am. In that random, you never quite know when or where I'm going to pop up. Will it be in two weeks? Will it be in two years? Gods only know, but I do think that almost guaranteed I would tell you if I wasn't coming back again because even I the queen of laziness the empress of inertia the fool of flaking knows and would do such a thing as to tell you she wasn't coming back because I was just right and I try to do the right thing so much love take care and uh I hope that we connect soon blessed be there's no Yellow bricks to follow back and run from that disaster. Familiar sins come crashing in as ever. Play.
This is true. 